This week's episode is sponsored by my friends at Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing is awesome. Um, they are designed for people like you and me, people like you and me, that uh, maybe we, we want to have a drink, but we, we don't all, want all the baggage that comes with having that beer. Um, they make delicious, delicious, delicious non-alcoholic beer. I'm a huge fan of the company. I had Adam from Athletic on the show previously. If you haven't listened to that episode, do check it out. They're giving all of our listeners 20% off your order. That's right, 20% off your order with code ELEVATE20, all caps, ELEVATE20. Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. I'm Rob, and I am thrilled as always to get to be the host of this show. Uh, I feel super lucky that I, I work for this awesome company, Elevation Corporate Health, and in each episode of this show, I'm fortunate enough to get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how to elevate yourself. And it is my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, and as a result, help you get a little closer to becoming the best version of you. Well, today on the show, I am excited to welcome an RN, a writer, my childhood friend, my college roommate, Chris Kramer. And uh, we, we have a really fun conversation. We take a couple trips down memory lane. Um, but I, I had Chris on the show because he wrote this book and it, it's absolutely fabulous. It's called The Good Things in Life, A Nurse's Story of Connection. And I, I think especially for anybody in the hospitality business or any business in general, and especially in the middle of a pandemic, we're all struggling to find ways to connect. Um, I thought it was really appropriate and uh, timely to have him on the show. Um, he's an inspiring guy. He, he runs endurance races. Uh, he makes me look like an amateur. Um, it, it's a really fun conversation, and uh, I hope that you enjoy it. Good. Oh my goodness, this is awesome! So good to have, so good to have you on the have you on, man. This yeah. is so cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Oh my goodness. Well, look, I mean, as I said in the beginning, um, you wrote a book, The Good Thing yeah. in Life, A Nurse's Story of Connection. Um, and I, I want to get into all of that because it's awesome and I absolutely love the book and I think it's great for anyone, um, especially folks in the hospitality business. Um, but I want to start, and this is unique. I always, on the show, I always like to start with the question of start at birth and go. And this is the first time I've had somebody on the show where I, I kind of know some of the things in there. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was a part of some of those. Um, so yeah, Chris Kramer, start, start at birth and go. Tell us, uh, tell us a little, a little bit about your journey. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you, you, uh, have been there for quite a bit of it actually, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, grew up in Northern Kentucky. I uh, went through private Catholic education, through elementary school, high school, and then um, went to Western Kentucky University and, and <clears throat> majored in nursing. Uh, got my graduate degree from California University in Pennsylvania in nursing administration. And, you know, I was fortunate to have two uh, great parents that taught me a lot. Uh, I have a brother um, who also has taught me a lot. He's five and a half years older. 
and um, most of my family still resides in northern Kentucky, extended family, aunts, uncles, et cetera, uh, and some in, in Ohio in the greater Cincinnati area. But yeah, um, I think that is is kind of me in a nutshell. Married now with, uh, been married for eight years, coming on nine, and have three kids, just had our third. Um, and all healthy, three kids under five, so you can imagine it's a little chaotic <laughs> here. As I sit in my basement, that is just in shambles from my two <laughs> my two boys. But yeah, that it's we live in uh, in Cincinnati, and both of us work at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. My wife and I do, and uh, yeah, we're we're in good shape. We're lucky, very lucky. Um. Uh, you get into this in the book and I, I want to hear the journey of the book, but um, I think I want to walk back and cause I was a part of it for um, several of those years of the Catholic education, but um, tell the folks listening just kind of about um, your childhood in Catholic education and kind of how all of that helped and inform who you are today. I think, I know for me, speaking for myself, I know that like the structure and the expectations of my time at Blessed Sacrament um, really inform who I am today. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, while I don't know any different uh, outside of your college was, I didn't go to a, a private college. Um, so I didn't really know any, any other life outside of private education. And I think partly that is just the nature of the some of the school system in the northern Kentucky. You know, there's a lot of private schools. <laughs> probably one of the most uh, most private elementary school per capita. <laughs> and, I, I would. You might be right. <laughs> it's densely populated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think some of that has to do with just the greater Cincinnati area and and the very vast. Uh, German Catholic heritage that's in the greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. Um, so you have a ton of a, a very densely populated Catholic population. Um, but, you know, it, it definitely, my parents are both very Catholic and it definitely, I think, provided an additional amount of structure and, and discipline um, in my life growing through and going through the, the Catholic education system. Um, I think I was blessed to have a, a good education and had parents that were invested in my education because I think, you know, uh, school is in a way only as good as your home life allows it to be or it forms it to be because I mean, a lot of that happens outside of the school at home, you know, doing homework and emphasizing the principles that are being taught, you know, between the hours of eight and three during the day. Um, but the rest of the time, you know, you're with your parents, you're with your siblings, you're with your family. And, you know, so discussions about things you're learning at school, um, reinforcing the rules that that are a part of being at school, um, carry on into your social life and helps, helps form you. So, you know, talking about going to Covenant Catholic, I mean, I mean there's not a lot of people that would say that they would redo high school I would definitely do high school over. I just had an absolute 
great experience going there and met uh, lifelong friends that were in my wedding and I still are in contact with today uh, and have formed lifelong friendships with some of these people I've been friends with, you know, since Blessed Sacrament, so five, six years old. Um, so, you know, very lucky to be able to call friends, um, yourself included, uh, since that time. And, um, and then I still have contact with teachers too from there and uh, did Christian awakening retreats for six years after I graduated from high school. Um, and so those, a lot of good principles and a lot of good uh, teachings during those years that kind of propelled me into you know, college and adulthood that I felt very prepared for. Wow, uh, you, you make so many uh, good points there. I think it register with me. And one of them was talking about uh, the importance of parents and the expectations of filling in the gap from the time a child leaves school, right? Yeah, and yeah. you can have an awesome teacher, but if it just it's that much harder if you don't have parents that are invested um, with and uh, sustaining those expectations. Um, I think that's a well, great and, point. And part of that too, and on the flip side is having great teachers. You know, so you and I may I think and I talk about that a little bit in in the book is how important those relationships are in your life. I mean, I can draw upon, you know, two, three or four teacher relationship, teacher student relationships that, you know, connected with me on a deeper level uh, and taught me things spirituality wise, uh, writing and creativity, you know, opening those aspects of my brain, you know, as a science guy um, that may not have existed otherwise or have laid dormant, you know, until then. And so, um, you know, if you don't have if you're not lucky enough or, or aren't one of those people that have a great home life, you know, you, the sanctuary of those teacher relationships at school, friend relationships at school are almost as important, if not more important as you get older. You're so, and I, I wanna get into that in a second, but I, I, I think about this in, uh, in either in leadership um, or even in, um, like for our, our people that are instructors or group fitness people or personal trainers or coaching, you're a teacher and a good teacher is someone that helps others realize their full potential. Um, I didn't make that up. That was Bill Walsh. And he always, uh, the great coach of the 49ers, and he always said that he was a teacher and that his belief was helping others realize their full potential. Um, and I Absolutely. think that that's, that's what you're talking about with those special teachers. Absolutely. Um, let's, um, I want to get into the book. I want to hear, I, I think start. So I was, when I saw that you wrote a book, I was fired up for lots of reasons <laughs> sure. um, because it, it's amazing. Like the idea of undertaking a book is, is huge and daunting and to go from having an idea to seeing it through is such an awesome accomplishment. And then you put it on top of that, that I read the book and it's really good. Um, and it's applicable to so many different people. Um, and I think it's really applicable right now in a time in which we are all striving for connection because we're separated. We don't get to see the people that we want to see. 
as often um, we're running virtual races, we're having virtual, <laughs> yeah. we're having virtual birthday parties, like that ability to connect is even more important. So um, tell us the story of having the idea to all the way to me holding the book in my hand. Oh yeah, wow. Well, it was a four year venture from start to finish, almost exactly. And I started it in August of 2016. And, I, you know, I, it's, it's even, it, the whole process has made me even more impressed by those that, you know, write books in a year's time or month's time, or you know, they start it in January and are finished by the end of the year kind of thing. It's, it didn't um, come easy. Uh, I like writing, but it wasn't a, an easy thing for me to do and it took a long time to do but you know I started in August 2016 and I actually was fortunate and, you know there's so many pieces of other people in this project and you know one of those is a good friend of mine Katie Holliker uh, one of my best friends and is married to another one of my best friends and she's a English teacher a uh, high school English teacher and she has a blog actually called Out and Outfit uh, that she writes and uh, does does really well with, and so I knew she was into that kind of stuff. And, I, and she's as an English teacher had an interest in uh, writing in the creative language arts, as it is. And so I reached out to her and I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about writing this book. Um, would you have any interest in helping out or being my, you know, editor, quote unquote?" And without hesitation, she responded you know 800 percent, absolutely and so um i know i kind of just pitched an idea and i was very uh, raw at the time you know i was just like i feel that one of my big passions as a nurse is being able to engage and connect with people uh, on a deeper level fairly intuitively you know it took a lot of practice uh and as you can read in the book you know sort of the a connection equation as I would call it you know effort plus communication and there's a lot of different ins and outs of both of those things but uh, things that I had drawn upon and learned about over the course of time you know, six seven years at that time as a nurse um, and so I kind of had this idea of human connection and the need to connect and the importance of that uh, not only within your personal life but as I had discovered as a nurse in professional life um, so that was the raw idea. There wasn't much framework behind it. And so her advice immediately was just, hey, start writing. Hey, you know, just get put whatever you have, whatever thoughts you have on paper, and, and we'll start the process. And so I think the first draft or the first even pages I gave her was about 10 pages. And it was really raw. It was just, you know, you know, things that I thought about and about the human connection and the importance of it. And, you know, I was drawing on data, quotes, uh, my personal experience, stories, et cetera, and put it, gave it to her, and, and she took a little time to read it through, and she liked the idea, obviously, you know, gave me the advice that it needs some polishing and some more depth, um, you know, but then was like, gave me some good feedback about that, as well as uh, some thoughts in terms of just grammar and structure and flow and all that kind of stuff and so I went back I pretty much rewrote that entire first 10 pages in a different structured format and took out some things added some things sent it back to her and she uh, was like yeah that 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 makes more sense I like where you're going with this 
you know, we met several times over, over, uh, you know, burgers and beers and talked through things and, um, went through the structure and kind of developed the ideas even further. And that's kind of the format I followed for the next three years. You know, I'd, once we figured out sort of the flow and the idea, um, you know, human connection, and then added the, as I continued to brainstorm the equation and then uh, each story I, I would draw upon sort of had a different principle that I could derive uh, that would contribute to the impact, you know, things that it taught me and things I was able to help people with. Um, you know, we continued to build upon that and um, uh, eventually it turned into, you know, a book and, but it, it wouldn't have happened without her. Um, I, I owe a lot of the ideas, the polish, the structure, the flow to, to her guidance and coaching. And, um, you know, together we were able to put together a, a project that, you know, turned into really something special for me. Um, and then 2019 rolled around. I had the, the manuscript and I basically navigated that entire year with logistics and trying to operationalize it. So, um, you know, talking to my employer, uh, getting consents that I needed to get with the families that, that wrote notes that are included within the book, um, making sure that I had all T's crossed, I's dotted, and um, was doing it the right way. And then figuring out publishing, you know, the publisher. So Cincinnati Book Publishing is a small hybrid publisher, you know, locally here. And they uh, liked it. You know, they agreed to work with me on it and took a chance and uh, spent the end of 2019, all of 2020, up until it got published, uh, you know, editing and, and developing the layout and the cover design, you know, and I say it has pieces of a lot of different people in this. Um, Danny Ruberg is another lifelong friend of mine who is a graphic designer architect, and he helped me develop the cover, um, which is a depiction of myself and my oldest son Fitz holding hands. Um, which to me is one of the most basic um, but powerful depictions of connection that I think anybody, you know, looking at can draw upon their own experience and memories of a time they might have been holding hands with somebody and it really felt they felt something it meant something. Um, so, you know, he helped me with that and, and we pitched it to the publisher and they loved it. And so it all kind of, you know, pieced together over the course of the four years from the idea that spawned the project to, you know, it being a 120 page book with uh, a cover that's very personal to me. So yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, it, it's been a really interesting journey uh, that has really taught me a lot of, in a number of ways. It's awesome. That's so awesome. And um, I think I, I, Think it's really helpful for people to, to think about what it takes um, to see something from beginning to end. But I I just want to note that um, you mentioned several people that helped you out along the way, and I think that that is a testament to the principles that you talk about in the book and those connections that you have with those people, um, and that they were there to help you in that time um, because you had built a connection and built a strong relationship with these people. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think it all, it all kind of comes full circle and that, uh, that's just, that's just who you are. Um, and I, I, it's not surprising to me that 
he would have that. And also, since you Cincinnati Book Publishing would be crazy not to publish your book. They're lucky, <laughs> to, They're lucky to have you. Goodness. Uh, it was it, it was a, a fun experience. I'll tell you what, though, it wasn't without his barriers. I mean, there were numerous along the way that it, many times I was just like, man, the cards are just stacked against me, and it, it just this thing just isn't supposed to happen. But, and yeah, there's so many times with so many things, you know, people feel that way. I can very much relate to it. And you just got to push through and, and find the new angle or find uh, the thing that's going to get you through it. And eventually you do, and it, it you're better off for it. Yeah. And, you know, you get into some of that in the book. And I, what I what I so enjoyed about the book was, like you talked about, um, there are these principles and the way it's broken down that there's an overarching principle that you're expressing that you believe and then you share your personal experience with it which is so um it's so helpful um i say a lot of times that i'm never going to ask somebody to do something i wouldn't do myself or i haven't done myself and i think having that experience then lends credibility to it so when you're sharing these um, situations that you've been in and how it relates i think it makes it that much more powerful. Um, I want to kind of get into some of those those principles. Um, you mentioned the the rules of connection, effort, and uh, communication. It, that goes back to John Wooden quote that I I say all the time that uh, focus everything you got on what you can control your effort and your attitude. Right? There's so many mm-hmm, things that yeah. we can't that we can't control, but the one thing we can control is our effort and our attitude when we show up. Or your reaction um, to it, yeah. Yeah, how are you going to handle it? Um, so in life, now we're, you, you share some great examples of um, in your work, but talk to us about like maybe somebody's feels they're struggling given a presentation or they just can't connect with their boss or another coworker. Like talk to, share your rules of connection formula. Yeah, so like I said, the equation, effort, and and communication, and so um, is the equation. And then I think there's some keys, you know, that, as well that uh, you can draw upon um, that I talk about via stories. But I'll talk about the equation first, which uh, those two words in itself seem very easy um, and basic, uh, but they're so there's so much depth to them, and you know, with effort. I always I'd like to draw upon and you know as a as a fitness guy yourself you could draw upon this too but you know the with endurance sport and just sports in general which is probably where effort has been studied and perception of effort have been studied quite a bit um yes you know I, I in my as a student of that I kind of drew upon that as I was thinking through uh, the human connection and you know, you think about it when you have anybody, whether it's a boss or uh, a friend that you might have lost touch with or your your wife uh, or husband. I mean, it, it you put forth as much as you're going to get out of it. And so with those things, as you put forth more effort and you try and you keep working at it, things eventually feel easier. You know, so you you keep working at something, whether and let's just say you're you're shy by nature. Um, and so in, in a first meeting with somebody, uh, you're not usually one to initiate that contact. 
Um, but as you do it more and more, you know, you uh, take that first 10 seconds of courage that it takes to really meet somebody and open up to somebody uh, and make the effort to do that. It, as you do it and keep doing it, you're going to just, it's going to feel effortless. And so, you know, as, um, you know, as with, you know, endurance sport, you're going to, you know, keep putting forth that effort until you've maxed out or you um, have or you're not getting any results and you know with that case you know when you're doing these things um, and, and in my experience it's going to be reciprocated and when it isn't then you've kind of reached that max and um, you know it's it's okay to, to move on if it's not being reciprocated but in my experience if you put it forth and and then you're going to get that same thing back uh, eventually. Whether it might not be right away, but eventually you do. Um, but part of that too, and it's not with that's why it's an equation, is the communication aspect of it. And uh, communication is one of those things that we take for granted, I think, across the board. Um, it's it's a difficult thing to do well. I mean, but there's a lot of aspects of it. You know, there's the nonverbals, the verbal, but there's also and different parts within each one of those. And so within your nonverbals, you know, how you approach people, um, are you looking them in the eyes? Are you really listening to them? Or are you just waiting for your turn to speak? Um, are you one of those people that you meet somebody and, and I, I mean, I'm guilty of this all the time. Uh, you meet somebody within 10 seconds, you forget their name. And, <laughs> you know, it's because you're, you're not, you're thinking of other things. You're thinking about the next thing you're going to say, or, you're, you're paying attention to something in the background or, you know, looking at something or thinking about that email you didn't answer. And so you're not really paying attention. Then you walk away thinking, oh, what was her name again? And I mean, it happens, happens to me all the time. And you really have to focus on, on that aspect of things, paying attention to what people are saying, really listening, actively listening. Um, there's so much is, is in looking people in the eye. And so um, your approach to how you meet somebody uh, and how you consistently communicate with them makes a huge difference. And that's why it's part of that effort is because if you're not doing the communication part well, then the effort is lost, you know, because you're not effective. And so, you know, those two things put together though are, are a concoction that just has enriched my life in a numerous number of different ways, uh, professionally and personally. And so, uh, those two things, I think, are what built sort of those six keys of connection that I talk about at the end, um, making an effort, looking people in the eyes, really listening, slowing down and paying attention, telling the truth, and then making another extra effort, smiling and not quitting. Um, those kind of build those keys uh, and are emphasized in the stories. So awesome. So awesome. And uh, well, one, I love the effort thing. And I say this, I try to say this if I'm talking to people in coaching or uh, I, I just really believe it in life. And like you said, and you share it in the book in terms of endurance, um, anytime you put forth the work, you get the results. Mm -hmm. And I, I really believe that. that yeah. Anytime, anytime I've not gotten a result that I wanted to get, if I really stop and take a hard look at it, I didn't put the work in. Right. I didn't put the work in. Right. Um, and I like what you said about the, in your experience, when you put it forth, you get it back. 
And sometimes maybe you don't get it back and maybe that is time to move on, but um, it will come back at some point and it may not be immediate. Um, well, it's your part of it is your perception too. You know, your perception right. of the effort that you're putting in. Uh, if, if you feel like you're maxing out on effort, then it's going to feel like work. You know, always it's going to feel like work. And the goal is to get to the point where it doesn't and it feels effortless. And so your perception makes all the difference. The waiting to speak and looking someone in the eye is so powerful. And I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, of really looking someone in the eye or not thinking about what's next on your list. Um, it's been said part of the reason why Bill Clinton is such a good was such a good politician was that right there. Um, yeah. And that he really was genuine. And it really is that idea of just being really present with the person across from you and how powerful that is. Um, is there anything, if somebody struggles with that, of eye contact that, that you would give as a piece of advice of kind of how to get over that hump and putting in the effort? I think a lot of it comes with just self-awareness. You have to recognize that it's something that you don't do. And I, I really practice it and it's just practice, you know? So I, I really yeah. actively have to be aware when I'm in a conversation with somebody that I'm, I'm looking to the right or looking to the left or above them at something else. And it's, it's, it's just part of that self-awareness that it's something you do or don't do and want to get better at. Um, and because I think it's hard, it's hard to look people directly in the eye. And I don't really have a good answer as to why, you know, I guess it's, it's, I mean, your your eyes are the window of the soul, right? I mean, it, maybe that's part of it. You know, when you look people directly in the eye, you feel vulnerable. I think uh, that's exactly a, what I think it is. I think it's the vulnerability, and it's hard. And it, because yeah. and then and then we uh, people are judging us. You know what I mean? If I look you in the eye, then I've opened myself up for you to judge me, and that can be yeah. that can be that can be hard. No, absolutely, and I. It's, it's just, I'm, I'm not an expert at it or perfect at it. It's just, uh, I'm a student of it. And, you know, I write about it in here, but it doesn't mean I, I'm, I am any better at it than anyone else. I just uh, recognize it as a need of something that I need to continually work at and improve upon. Uh, and it's something that I teach my kids, you know, anytime we're, specifically if they get in trouble, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, we sit down and we talk through it and I make sure that they look me in the eye as we're talking through it. And, uh, they don't ever want to, you know, they never, it's one of those things that they never want to do. Cause I think the, to your point, that vulnerability, they, it feels like they're in trouble, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't want to associate eye contact with trouble, but it's, uh, right. it's an important aspect of, you know, being present and being human. And while there is a risk with being vulnerable and looking someone in the eye and really being present with them, the payoff is awesome, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh, like yeah. it's like it's it's like you got to take the chance. You got to put yourself out there and be vulnerable because because what could happen is so much better than playing it safe. Absolutely. And think of all the distractions now out there. I mean, I you know at work I could be sitting there, my phone's in my pocket, my yeah. Garmin's on my wrist, and it's connected yeah. to my phone. And so every time, not only am I getting notifications when I get texts by vibration on my wrist or on my hip, 
I'm also getting told by the Garmin to move, you know, periodically <laughs> yeah. if I'm not moving. And so there's all these distractions. And I think to your question, you know, how do I get better or how do I uh, advice on this is, you know, when you are looking someone in the eye, your attention is directly on what you're looking at. And so if you're not looking at them, you're looking at something else. And therefore your brain is paying attention to other stuff outside of what's directly in front of you. And so those two kind of go hand in hand is what uh, is ways to improve the other, you know, one kind of improves the other. Nice. Yeah, that's such a good point. And the brain, it, make it easy on the brain, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I said, yeah. Make it easier, make it easier on yourself if you are struggling with it. Totally, totally. Um, why is a smile so powerful? I, I say this to people all the time. I say, I swear it's the truth and researchers have proved it. And I do this when I'm running, I'm running a marathon. I'm on mile 20 my legs are screaming my i got enough lactate in my quads to light a fire (laughs) but i'm gonna freaking smile because the perception of pain is gonna be less if i do it totally Uh, why why is a smile so powerful well in the physio physiologic aspect of it it releases endorphins in your brain you know just by doing it and so uh it just flips the script you know on anything that's happening and i you know it, it just my friend, you know, my good friend, Ferris Bueller, you know, can't take life too seriously. You'll never get out yep. alive. Yeah. And that's part of it is just enjoyment out of what you're doing. You know, you got to even in, you know, even when you're in a down and out spot, like some of these kids that, you know, that really went through hell, um, you know, managed to smile in the darkest of times uh, and, and find little enjoyment, even in the worst of situations. And, they, um, by doing that, not only did I think it helped them get through it, but it, it made interactions with others easier. Um, it opened up and broke down barrier, broke down barriers and opened up doors, um, for people to be let in when they otherwise might not have been. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you got to do it. It's, if you don't do it, I I highly recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) You you talk about that um, in the book, and there's a couple of stories in there that I'm thinking about, um, specifically about effort and um, that there was a like a wall up with some patients, um, and where you were able to get past that wall. And I've I've I'm, I've experienced this in my life, and I know some people listening to this maybe they're you can't get through to somebody, or you just go. This person doesn't like me. I, I've been in situations with people in work environments where I'm like, I'm just gonna keep smiling until they until they let me in there. Like I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna smile my way into this being positive because I think initially it's easy to think that you are um, being attacked. I think it goes back to that vulnerable yeah. thing of going, mm-hmm. they don't like me, and then we make it all about us when in reality, um, perhaps that person's struggling with something that you don't know about. Um, exactly. And, um, there was one story that, uh, I really loved the, um, you bring in the DVDs, um, mm, yeah. and, uh, to a patient and, um, just, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but just briefly share that story because I think it's such a good example of like going above and beyond and the pay, the payout. Yeah. You know, I think to your point, you never know what somebody's going through, um, and that goes back to perception. You know, we, if you live life on assumptions and your own perception, you're never going to 
empathize with anybody. Uh, you're just going to live in your bubble and assume that you know everything and assume that there's nothing to learn about other people or about situations. And specifically in, in that regard is it was an adult patient too. Um, and that you just, just through asking questions uh, and trying to understand what they're going through, you know, not um, just going about my business quietly and doing my job, um, which is something I've done many times just, and I've, I've always felt like I missed something at the end of the day when I do that. But you just, you ask questions and you try to understand what they're going through. And by doing that, you know, you eventually talk about other things and you realize what they, they like and dislike and what they're passionate about and what they're not passionate about as you get more and more comfortable. And again, that goes back to, you know, effort and communication is, is as you continually break down those barriers and open up those lines of communication, you continually learn more and more about the person that you're connecting with. And by doing that, I was able to learn that him and I had an equal love for uh, movie scores, you know, and uh, yeah. and so I picked a few out that we had talked about and brought them in and we were able to um, laugh about it and watch a few things throughout the day, the next day and that shift and that weekend uh, that I had that I was taking care of him. And uh, even though he was in a, a really rough spot, I think or I hope that it brought a little you know, light into a dark place or some joy uh, where otherwise there may not have been. Um, but it, again, it goes back to just being open-minded and being willing to, to kind of put yourself in other people's shoes uh, or at least attempt to do so. And by doing so, you can you really be surprised by what you learn. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, that's just a little like that's not in your job description. That's not something that you had to do, not something, but going above and beyond um, with just small things goes such a long way. We, in, in our company, we, we, a lot of times it's something as simple as a thank you note. Um, oh yeah. A handwritten thank you note goes such a long way. And it, it's just a, a small little thing um, really is powerful. Um, and takes and and while it takes effort to do it, really in the grand scheme of things, not that much effort. No, no. Right, no, you're so right. Um, and it it is the little things that matter, and it, it's also the little things that don't matter. Honestly, like don't sweat the small stuff. You know, when it comes to the relationships that you have in your life, where you know you you have to, you recognize what's important and what's not important. And most of the times the daily stuff that bothers us across the board just isn't that important. Um, and trying not to, to lose it over that stuff uh, also is hard, but helps. <laughs> um, we, we're, we've kind of hit on this and I, I would love to just hear a little bit about um, getting comfortable being uncomfortable because it's something I, I say to myself a lot. And I love seeing that as a, a chapter in the book. And I, I, I think I would love for you to share with our listeners, just how your own personal physical pursuits um, have helped shape you as an RN and as a father and as a husband. And I mean, I like, you've just, you've always been such an active guy. Um, obviously we, we grew up playing soccer together and, um, but even like in college, I mean, I feel like you were more active than I was. And I just think being active <laughs> has been such a big part of your, of your life. Um, 
and so like tell us about one the the things that you do today in terms of endurance um and then why that's been so important to you oh gosh what hasn't it done for me it is such an <laughs> important part of my life uh yeah it is it's just it's done so many things it's kept me grounded in failure i mean there's as a racer in is something that i've embraced in, in endurance sports even after in my in more of my adult life is you know setting goals personal goals with regards to endurance sports racing marathons triathlons um duathlons all that kind of stuff you know you set these goals you don't always meet them uh right away and you just keep no. at it and you by by failing as the i've tried to qualify for boston three times and failed all three times but right. in all, th all three of those attempts have continually decreased times and and moved towards the ultimate goal and so it not only um humbles me in a way that helps me adapt and learn like and assess what I felt out the previous time and what I can learn moving forward, what I need to change, what I, whether it's diet, whether it's uh, my stride uh, or how I'm breathing or uh, not doing enough speed work or hills or any of that stuff, adapting that for the next time um, and, and just keeping it, keeping it up, trying again. Uh, not only that, but also dreaming, you know, continues to keep me dreaming um, and striving for new things. And so you know, continuing to try to qualify for Boston or, you know, I, doing another Ironman and beating my time that I did previously, um, you know, keeps me at 34 years old and uh, established in a career, um, striving for things because, you know, if, like you said before, I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything that I haven't already done. If, if what's it say to my children, if I'm, you know, stop dreaming already, you know, and be like, Oh guys, I'm, I'm out. I've, I'm, I'm out of dreams. <laughs> you know, it's, right, you, right you want, you, you want to import, impart that. I want to impart that onto them. Like it's, it, no matter what, it's a lifelong venture. You keep on dreaming, you keep on um, uh, striving to achieve and break down new challenges uh, break barriers you know that's another thing that it does it, it's it's also uh mental therapy <laughs> for me um it, it's it's the cheapest therapist uh out there you know getting out there for a long run after a long week even though you don't want to uh really helps myself talk and keeps me um you know sane in a, in a tough time um keep, mentally sharp you know can I'm i'm a better father and husband when i continually work out and focus on my health um you know and it's something that kelly and i my wife kelly and i we both recognize that it's an important aspect of who we are and and keeps us better for each other as a partner um and so you know it, it works in that regard as well and um channels you know my emotional stability too so man it's it works across that's almost like a base for me uh and with that base it resonates into you know professionally as a father as a husband uh, a son a brother i mean it you know really keeps me uh even keel you i just loved all that and i think anybody that's listening to this that knows me understands uh why we are uh, kindred spirits um yeah, yeah. That, that, but it's it, it is that and i think for
for me, what you hit on there too is the goals um, and the power of setting a goal. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to run a two hour marathon and no, um, I'm not, uh, you know, competing with the highest level, but th that's not the point. The, the no. point is it's the activity of doing that and setting a goal then translates into the other aspects of our lives. Um, and, uh, Tim Noakes, I don't know if you know Tim Noakes, who wrote the oh, yeah. running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he's got that quote that's like, uh, running has taught me that I am capable of, of accomplishing anything that I'd set my mind to, um, right. professionally or academically. Um, and, and I really believe that. And it's that getting comfortable being uncomfortable carries over into other things in life. Um, I really appreciate what you said about dreams and the power of that as a parent. Um, that you've got to continue to keep dreaming um, for the sake of your children. Um, it's really yeah, cool. and yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for the sake of yourself uh, as well, too. And I mean, your health is is so important. I mean, you you're not good to anybody else if you're if you're not feeling good yourself. Um, and even if you are one of those people that can just give and give and give and give, eventually that kind of breaks down um to where you're 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 gonna hurt yourself yeah yeah and uh it's uh i think everybody realized that especially in the middle of a pandemic but uh right. at the end of the day our, our health and is is all we've got um and is really uh, the most value um to us and by making those choices to take care of yourself um and I love what you said about adapt and learn, man. That that that's really what it is um, in in training and why why you set goals and you don't just go, I'm just going to go run this thing um, because it's it, it's harder. And it, this goes back to the vulnerability thing. It's actually scarier to set a goal because then you could fail, right? right. So you could just say, right. I'm just going to go do just this. Go out there, yeah. yeah. Just, just go do it, whatever, right? But then there's no there's no pressure, there's no accountability, um, and you can let yourself off the hook. But if you say, yep. you know what, I'm, I've got a goal, I'm going to qualify for Boston. That's scary. That's hard. And when you do that, that's so much more powerful um, in terms of your development um, as a person and a father, all of it, all of it. All yeah, of it. man. It, you know, I certainly have ran races where I didn't set a goal or in, and when I don't set a goal, I don't train as hard. No, nope. so, no. You know, and then that way, I, when I don't, I'm like, ah, you know, whatever, I'll just go out and do it. And, and then there's no expectation on my end and there's no follow up from anyone else either. And if they do follow up then I'm like, ah, you know, I just went out and did it. I didn't really train for it. It's no big deal. Right. You know, but, um, you know, I ran Indianapolis a couple of years ago and I was like, this is the year, man. This is the year I set like a 35 week training regimen. I did two prep races for it. Um, and I was like, this is the year I'm breaking three and I'm going to qualify. And actually it was three or five at the time. And then three weeks prior to the November race, they changed the, the, um, the qualifying time for the, for our age group <laughs> from three or five to three. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, you know what? That's fine. My goal was still to break three anyway. And, but I told, you know, everybody and I, I, yeah. my family, we all went up to Indianapolis, uh, got hotels, stayed a couple nights. Um, and I came across the 302, didn't qualify, didn't break three, didn't meet the goal. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, 
I learned a lot um, and know more now after that whole experience about what I need to do and what my body is, what my body needs in terms yeah. of training um, because of it. And it was able to, I, and, you know, you look back on it and I'm like, ah, I failed. I didn't, I didn't break uh, three hours, but I also set three PRs too. So I was like, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's the learning. That's the good part. That's right. And that's, then that's what it is. And um, it, it's you, by saying it and putting it out there, you, you can't let yourself off the hook. Right. right and right. I, and I always say to people like sometimes like, okay, so maybe you're trying to get motivated to, to lose weight, sign up for a thing, get a thing yeah. that's going to hold you accountable. That's like, I've got to run this race in six weeks. I've already signed up for it. I've already paid the money. I'm on the hook for it. Like it's got to happen. And now you can't get out of it. I mean, you could, right. but it's a lot harder. Um, right. And so once you tell people that it's happening, then, then you, then you, then it's going to force you uh, to perform at your best and to challenge yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Or even if it's not a, an event, you know, keep yourself accountable to a certain weight loss percentage or, uh, number of pounds or you know anything like that and uh, it takes a little more discipline you know than that external factor but you know nonetheless it's still a goal i could talk all day about marathon training plans anyone that starts talking to me about that it's the same thing <laughs> yeah um all right we're getting a little long on the tooth i gotta rapid fire some questions at you here sure sure um let's do it okay uh i think i have a hunch on this but what's one thing you do every single day that elevates you you know the the initial thing to think about is is like running or training but i don't necessarily do that every day i think uh one thing i do every day is i do a daily reflection it's just a you know, little prayer that i say every day whether it's in the shower or if it is, uh, if I do run or something that day after the run, um, you know, as I'm sitting there uh, afterwards, or at the end of the day before I go to sleep, you know, something, you know, there's always time for me to fit it in, um, and that really helps mentally. You know, so that's probably the thing I do every day that that helps. Best purchase you have made in the last three months for under twenty five dollars. I'm not a big spender. I don't, uh, I don't spend a lot of money or on things, but I, you know, 25 bucks. So three months ago I had a, so I have a bike that, uh, it was my first bike. I bought it in 2009 <clears throat> and it has been sitting on a trainer for three years. It, it didn't leave the trainer. And so it was in bad shape when I finally took it off. And I was like, during the pandemic, you know, I'm going to fix this thing up. Um, and so, uh, it's, I had to buy a lot of different tools that I didn't have in order to, you know, take the rear wheel off the gears, like all that kind of stuff. Um, that, those were all under 25 bucks. Uh, but I ended up, you know, fixing it up and it, uh, it, it is, it's functional now outside of the trainer. So that was good. Nice. Nice. Um, final meal, like, um, somebody's like, this is the last meal you're ever going to have. What are you eating? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, Great question. I'm not really a, a much of a foodie either. I see food more as like fuel, which is yep. funny because my, my wife is a huge foodie. And so she is, which is great, also works out for me because she's an incredible cook. And so I get to benefit from her meticulous attention to cooking detail and good meals. Um, but for me, man, it's it's more about the company. So every Friday night, my uh, 
my kids and I and my wife, we do a pizza picnic. We watch, pick a movie and do the Joey special. You know, the two pizzas. And so that's our Friday night. So that's honestly, that's where I'd want to be with that, with that meal, um, with my team uh, for a final. That's so cool. And I'm going to get a little nostalgic here. I have such fond memories of us being, well, one in college eating pizza, but two, like being like in the sixth grade and like Friday pizzas. Yeah. Doing exactly like that after school. Man, that's so cool that you still do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. I love that. Uh, I've, I've shared a bunch of quotes. You've shared some quotes. Do you have a favorite quote? that's kind of like your go-to. Yeah. I say it all the time to everybody, you know, for anything that they're going through or doing and it's cold play actually. Uh, if you, tr- if you never try, you'll never know. Mm. And I say that a lot to different people for anybody asks me for advice or anybody that is contemplating doing something like, well, if, if you don't try, then you'll never know whether or not it would have impacted you or if it would have been the right thing to do. Um, I'm going to bet, well, it may be Coldplay again for this one, but favorite workout song. Yeah, I like Coldplay a lot, but my, probably my favorite workout song that no matter what it comes on, I get fired up is, is old school Limbiscuit My Way. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that actually came on my Spotify not that long ago. And uh, oh, man. Yeah, that, that, that did fire me up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, food for fuel. And I try to remind myself of that all the time that a lot of times it is, uh, it is, um, function over fun when we're training. (laughs) Um, Do you have a, do you have a favorite, like a snack that's like your go-to snack that, that helps fuel you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I snack, I'm a weird, like, you know, 9, 10 PM snacker for some reason. Uh, maybe it's because we, you know, with kids, we eat dinner so early. But it's like uh, pretzels and peanut butter, or like carrots and hummus, are are mm. big ones for me. That's, that's those are strong ones. Pretzels and PB is tough to beat. Oh yeah. Um, okay, and then a uh, w- couple more, real quick. One thing that you really enjoyed about your college roommate your freshman year, and <laughs> one thing you disliked about your college roommate. Oh your man! Year. Wow. Put them, you, on, you... put them on the spot. Gosh, I, I loved uh, probably the my the the best thing was our friends love you know the uh, love of the show. I mean, we did so many weird, fun things uh, because of the love of that show, and you know the the twenty four hours of of nothing is just a, a story I tell forever, and everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, that's the greatest and grossest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, so yeah, the dislike gosh, that, that's that's even harder to pick honestly i i i loved uh the my freshman college roommate well actually which one are you talking about the, the yeah i know the first one and the second one i know we both we both yeah. had a had a had a tough time our first semester i was trying to think back yeah. i was like was i messy i was like i don't know um, no i don't think yeah, so i don't think it was too bad i think we got along pretty 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 well man especially you think yeah. about how small small that dorm was man it was small. It, you know, I disliked that the first one, he had a bunch of black lights and a weird, like, psychedelic poster. That was, I fear I'm going to dislike anything about a freshman college roommate. That'd be it. That would be it. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah, just so that I didn't say this in the intro, but uh, Chris and I are our freshman year. We, anybody that's a Friends fan, they, uh, Joey and Chandler don't move from their chairs um, in an episode. We um, somehow did not leave our dorm room beds for 
24 hours. Um, yes. Yes. Um, and perhaps um, that's why we enjoy endurance sports as much as we do now. Um, because <laughs> we can outlast anybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, man. Okay. So the book is called The Good Things in Life, A Nurse's Story of Connection. Where can people purchase the book? Where can they learn more about it? Where can they follow you on social media? If they wanted to contact you for a speaking engagement, how to, how to give us all that good information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like I said earlier, Cincinnati Book Publishing is the publisher. So you can find the book on their website, which is cincybooks.com, uh, C-I-N-C-Y. Um, and then also it's on Amazon. So if you just search that title on Amazon, that should come up um, for purchase. And then on social media, um, I have a page, uh, The Good Things in Life, uh, at Connection Journey, that you can follow. And then on Instagram, it's ckramer underscore the good things in life. Um, so those are all avenues to get a hold of me. I also do personal fulfillment myself. Like I said, small publishing firm, hybrid publisher. Um, so I do personal fulfillments myself um, and can send, send books anywhere um, across the nation. But those are you know, several different avenues at the, at the current time to, to learn more about it as well as purchase one. Awesome. I will link to all of that in the show notes for people to, to get their hands on it. And uh, <clears throat> man, I tell you what, Chris Kramer, this was, uh, this was an absolute treat for me. I really appreciate you coming on here and uh, we could have done this, uh, could have gone on and on, but uh, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I have no doubt that people that read this book, um, you will just get just a little bit closer at uh, finding that connection with folks in life. So thank you so much for sharing your story, man. Yeah, Rob, appreciate you having me on. This was really, really fun. Uh, thanks for reaching out and always great chatting with you. Um, and yeah, check out the book. It's It, it was a, a really fun project and I think there's you know, some good substance to it and you know, something in there to learn. And, you know, if not, maybe you just enjoy the stories that are told. So, um, you know, check it out. Wasn't that a fun conversation? I mean, wasn't that just awesome? Isn't Chris just absolutely inspiring? I, I hope you can see why I wanted to have him on the show. Um, I am a better leader. And I feel like I'm a little bit better human being after the conversation with him. Um, as I mentioned, I work for Elevation Corporate Health. And look, we've been in business for 26 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. 26 years. That's right. You know that only 25% of businesses make it 15 years or more? It's just one of the reasons why we have got you covered from fitness management online training, on-site classes, integrated technologies. We've been doing it for 26 years and we've been helping small and large groups alike get healthy and stay engaged. So you can learn more about us at elevationcorporatehealth.com and I encourage you to follow us on social media at Elevation Corporate Health. See you next time.